0: Money FM eighty nine point three, best of breakfast. The bigger picture only on Money FM eighty nine point three. I'm Sean Cheung, and welcome to the bigger picture. Finance center today, the record-setting and parabolic moves we have seen in the market. There have been quite a few recently, and on the phone to weigh on some of these moves, we have Kelvin Wong. He's the senior market analyst at Oanda. Good morning, Kelvin. Hey, hi, good morning to you, Sean. All right. So in the US, we've been talking about record highs on the S&P. Elsewhere, we're also looking at record highs on the Nikkei, hitting 38,000 for the first time since the 90s. Uh, what do you make of it? Uh, let, let's
1: start with the S&P 500. Uh, so uh, if you look at the S&P 500, uh, the last uh, few weeks of the really, uh, sterling rally has been more driven by the magnificent seven stocks. So uh, there's a bit of what I call over-concentration risk, especially uh, on stocks pertaining to uh, AI. So NVIDIA has been the one that is the main bug of the, uh, I'll put it the fort, that is uh, lifting or contributing this significant rally in the S&P 500. So if you look at the uh, NVIDIA as in year-to-date uh, since last Friday, they actually rallied close by uh, 40%. So that's way about what uh, three to four times more than the year-to-date rally by the S&P 500. So on the other hand, if you look at the uh, Japanese uh, benchmark stock indices, the Nikkei 225, so the Nikkei 225 has been more of a broad-based rally, notwithstanding from the soft-bank rally that was seen uh, uh, a day before. So if you look at uh, the last three months of rally, it's much more broad-based, not heavily over-concentrated. More driven by the fact of corporate reforms in Japan, and also the fact that uh, Japan itself is also benefiting from China. uh, Unfortunate, fortunate Also due to the fact of the risk of this uh, heightened risk between the US and China that is still playing on right now, especially on the global supply chain side of the story. Right,
0: and specific to the Nikkei, can this run keep going? What levels are you seeing on the charts there? All right. So, uh,
1: if you look at the DK225, for sure, if, if, uh, from a uh, technical analysis uh, perspective, perspective uh in the short to medium term the trend it's still uh, uh i would say it's still bullish i mean it's still pretty much intact so am sure, um, uh, in the short-term basis there's actually a short-term uh, support level to watch we're at 38,420 so it is now managed to maintain uh it's indicating to us that it's actually evolving within a short-term uptrend channel since the low of uh, 7 february this year So, the next resistance in the short term uh, will be around at the upper limit of this channel at around
0: 38,700. So, the peak of the Nikkei is uh, 1989, thereabouts, at about 40,000. So, we are charting towards that. And so far, we have been seeing a story of breakout consolidation on the Nikkei. So, Mm, can we just say that this is a bullish pendant formation playing out, or is the deeper macro story here just Mm. so strong to push this higher?
1: So if you look at, the actually two perspective at play. So from a technical analysis perspective, you are telling for sure there's a lot of bullish chart pattern that has been broken out. So that actually uh, kind of uh, attract positive momentum. But on the other hand, don't forget, it's been, uh, we also do support by what we call it uh, fundamental as well three fundamentals that you're supporting it. Number one, uh, it will be the uh, very clear exit about what 20 to 30 years past of deflationary environment in Japan, which means it's positive for the Japanese economy in terms of uh, boosting of consumer spending and corporate spending from uh, from a sentiment perspective. And on the other hand, over here, we do have what I call uh, call stock market reforms in Japan that is being undertaken by the current uh, Japanese uh, administration right now, i.e. will be uh, asking a listed company to actually uh, to, to, to actually have a better usage of their cash holding. So that eventually also uh, means, uh, as, as a driver, to actually uh, support this ongoing uh, major uh, bullish trend that is still intact in the Nikkei 225 uh, since the start of last year. Right.
0: And earlier you mentioned about the SoftBank and giving it a bit of a lift. That's, of course, one of the reasons why we're seeing green on the Nikkei over the last few sessions. So SoftBank has been lifted by Arm's move to the upside. So speaking Mm. of Arm, about the 20% dip on the last session aside, it's had quite remarkable price action. So all things considered, you know, can we look at Arm's commentary and its explosive performance now and say, yes, this is green light for tech IPOs in the present climate and in the present mania for all things tech?
1: Uh, well, if you look at it from a technology perspective over here, uh, one concern we have to look at over here is uh, is pretty much driven by AI. Yeah, but the part of this AI company is, uh, we been talking about, they're still profitable, yeah? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we are not talking about those uh, companies that are dubious product or dubious, uh, dubious cash flow and uh, negative profitability. But I believe that a certain area of AI space is the sentiment is a bit overstretched. So uh, for sure, uh, we there's a risk of what I call significant correction along the way, like, what like what arm faces yesterday, after uh, certain macro factors that is unfavourable, uh, which is the uh, hotter than expected CPI print that was released uh, yesterday as well.
0: Alright. And let's take a look away from Japan for a while. I, I mean, yeah. it's Valentine's Day today, after all, all over the world. So that's a saying that Valentine's Day gives stock a bit of a lift because everyone is feeling good. And generally, since bull markets are predicated on sentiment, all these record highs we're seeing and well, all the lows, if you're looking at China, uh, are, is it just sentiment that's just driving this momentum right now?
1: Actually, if you look at it, it's more on the optimism on the uh, global central bank pivot towards interest rate uh, cut cycle. So this dovish pivot has been led by the US central bank's for sure, which is the the Federal Reserve, after December FOMC meeting where uh, Jerome Powell and the the rest of the Federal Reserve officials have sent a signal to the market that more or less they're done with the one and a half year of interest rate uh, height cycle. And the next step is for them to actually pivot towards cutting interest rates. So uh, primarily over here is that what, what I would say that this this kind of uh, ongoing bullish sentiment that was says, seen in maybe late last year until uh, last week is more driven by uh, an increase in anticipation of an increase in liquidity. So we talk about increase in liquidity what comes from uh, further uh, cuts in interest rates or potentially I'll put it away that uh, more or less we start to see the peak of the current interest rate hike cycle globally that was seen in the last one-half year. So a lot of optimism is being placed on that front. Yeah, So if you look at it uh, from a perspective of uh, sentiment right now, it's that this sentiment may get tempered off after yesterday's uh, okay. uh, stronger-than-expected US CPI number. So right now, investors or market participants have started to down bow back their expectation on, number one, the pace of the interest rate cut being embarked by the Fed previously at the start of this year we are looking at March for the Fed to kickstart so based on the CME tool right now before yesterday's CPI print it was being pushed back to uh, May and right now May uh, we do see a, a, a sl- slight dip in the odds and more or less now it's been centred towards uh, June and July so overall as long as this uh, Fed Dovish pivot has started being pushed back if we start, start to get pushed back drastically, potentially uh, this sen- sentiment, police sentiment may get a hit and there's that, actually a, a risk of a, a significant correction. Uh, we cannot rule out that on the cards as well.
0: Okay, so also looking ahead, we have the US PPI, the PCE. They're yes. both due later this month. Given how the CPI turned out, would this be more significant now to look at the PPI and the PCE?
1: Especially on the PCE, uh, from a from a market watcher perspective, because among the CPI and the PCE, uh, both are inflation gauge, except that the fact that the PCE has uh, lower weightage than shelter. So to put on that, yesterday's uh, hotter CPI pain is, is, contributed, is significantly contributed by an uh, uplift in shelter prices, which is i.e. housing housing related costs in US. But however, the PC number uh, PCE uh, component. Overall, has a lower weightage on housing and also the PCE uh, is kind of a preferred inflationary gauge uh, among the Federal Reserve officials. That means, uh, for sure, PCE is uh, definitely a much more heavily uh, monitored uh, uh, inflationary metrics uh, by market participants. But if we start to see the PCE data uh, starts to become hotter than expected as well, uh, for sure that the risk of a reduction in bullish sentiment is uh, was going to be increased by, by a notch
0: All right. so Kelvin final word could you contextualise this for us because a good part of the rally in the past 11-12 mm-hmm. weeks has been predicated they were moving in a straight line so what could that set of data do then to this Goldilocks narrative if
1: we look at from a seasonally uh, approach as well as from the pace of the rally, yeah, for sure, there's actually a risk of a, a significant correction. But will this correction uh, lead to what I call that a major kind of a multi-month correction? For sure, I mean, there is still not enough uh, data point to actually uh, emphasize on that. But we're talking about a risk of a short-term correction. Uh, we cannot rule that out. And also, given the fact that if you look at the past twenty-five to thirty years of the S and P data. In terms of monthly seasonality, so the month of February is still the uh, I would say the second weakest uh, performing month for the S&P 500. So we're talking about seasonality factor coming to play, which is doesn't which is weak uh, based on the past twenty-five to thirty years of data of the S&P 500. And also on top of that, we we do have there's a risk of getting a hotter uh, PC print, very similar to what we see in the CPI print yesterday that could actually bow back, we call it, uh, investors' uh, or traders' expectation of that Fed-toffish period. So all in all, it, it, it could actually uh, increase the risk of this uh, short-term correction on the S&P 500 to actually retrace uh, this rather steep rally in the last uh, fifteen weeks. here.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for that, Kelvin, for all those insights. My pleasure. And uh, this has been the bigger picture on Money FM eighty nine point three. I'm Sean Chung. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.